Kaylee, you very well know that my favorite movie of all time is The Princess Bride. Heck yeah, it is. It is. I love <laughs> The Princess Bride. I love Carrie Elwes. I love everything about that movie. I love everything about it. I quote it far too often, including this one time when I was in Australia and I saw a wombat and I screamed, it's a rodent of unusual size. <laughs> That's a marsupial. <laughs> yeah, well, same. Yeah. I've heard it both ways. So because of that, I started picking up on things in this episode that in my brain became Princess Bride references. And I like this because of a special guest star that we get later in the series. Yeah, we do. I'm going to point them out along the way. Listeners, if you think I'm crazy or if you 100% agree with me, I would love for you to reach out and let me know what you think. Email us. At our email that is to the blueberry podcast at gmail.com. And I would love to discuss that with you. I would love to do an entire episode around the Princess Bride references of Psych in, in general. But yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was a whole We're going to get there. <laughs> oh, yes. In an episode weirdly devoid of pop culture references, I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm going to say we're running with it. And we're not sorry. There are supposed to be so many that we can't imagine them. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's, they're there by virtue of, of the, the format of the show. We do, however, get a Henry making a pop culture reference in this episode. And I really like that. I like when, like, Henry and Lassie and Chief Vic make the pop culture references. It makes me happy. Kaylee keeps looking at me, everyone, like I'm a crazy person, but I promise I'm not. No, I'm trying really hard to remember what one falls out of his mouth, and I can't remember. I feel okay. I feel like a crazy person. We will get there, I promise. All right. You ready to start the episode? Showtime. This is... To the Blueberry! I am Alexis, and I am a real-life Gus. I am Kaylee, and I am the real-life Sean. We decided to start this podcast a little while ago because we needed a good reason to talk to one another every week. Every week. Talking about our favorite shows seemed to be a great way to do it, which is psych. It really helps us pace out watching it again, too. It, it does, yes. <laughs> and I, I have so much been appreciating how you and I have been looking at this show in a way that I never would have looked at it before because of this podcast. Like, picking up on those references that maybe weren't even there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm digging it. So, very good. <laughs> We're open to post-psych continuing to rewatch podcasts because Castle, right? Right. We about that one time? Oh, yeah, we did. did. <laughs> this is season two, episode 14, Dislodged. I like it. Simple. Yeah. I get the name. I... Wish it was more cleverer. I wish it was cleverer. I wish it was more clever. Sure. Okay. (laughs) I've heard it both ways. (laughs) I think the way I made it clever to myself was like, the man who has been murdered has been dislodged. Okay. Okay. Like, yeah. But as we so often do, this episode starts in 1987 with a flashback. Sean and Gus are hiding underneath this little, like, blanket fort if you will okay but what are they using as their fire so they have a little contraption that has flames in it alexis what is this monstrosity it is a portable kerosene grill kerosene no propane propane grill and i only know this because i have used and had that exact same grill when i was in college danger i lived in this janky apartment we lived on the second floor and we had that grill because we wanted to grill food And we thought it would be a good idea to grill on our neighbor's roof, which we could access from our living room window. And did not have permission to be on? Uh, It was the same house. Like, they were our downstairs neighbor. So maybe I did. Oh. I don't know. (laughs) My roommate and I went outside and started grilling pork chops, and we were really excited. And while we were outside, the window slammed closed, and we were stuck on the roof. I do not remember this story. Oh, yes. Our neighbors came by and uh, chucked us a crowbar, and we crowbarred our way back through the window and got back in the house. Note to self, carry a crowbar. (laughs) Or at least learn how to catch one when you're standing on a roof. 
<laughs> Thank you, Daddy. Oh, I appreciate that. They're wearing towels as capes, and the words that I got were kiwi alaza that they were saying. Oh, the chanting? I don't know what the weird. You heard. Yeah, yeah, the captions literally said children chanting. And I was like, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah, I wrote, is that a propane fire and also babies in capes? And they're wearing their patented plaid and stripes. Of course. And Henry, who's wearing a much better wig than he sometimes wears. I'm giving props to the wig department this episode. He's like, what's, what's going on here? And they tell them. A club. A secret club. Uh, burning down the house club? It's a Sean and Gus club. A Gus and Sean club. <sighs> Henry says, okay, well, do you have bylaws for this club? You have to have rules and regulations because I'm Henry and I suck the fun out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here are the rules. No girls. Under 12 only. No old guys. And from Gus, they have to have a love of correct grammar. What? What's that rule? <laughs> I don't need this. And Sean quits. <laughs> and Gus says, well, who needs you and your misplaced prepositions and then he turns to henry and he goes do you want to join a club <laughs> i love little baby gus he was savage he was like fine sean leave i don't even care <laughs> we cut to present day and the boys are having breakfast lunch or brunch i wrote brunch i definitely wrote brunch <laughs> okay it's the middle of the day though we know that for sure and henry had called Sean to cancel a camping trip? The mountain man trip? Okay. I don't know. (laughs) He canceled it because he was sick and he sounded so sick. He even sounded pale, apparently. How do you sound pale, Sean? Suddenly we hear Jim Croce singing Bad Bad Leroy Brown and we look over and whose truck is that, Alexis? It's Bad Bad Leroy Henry's. (laughs) That is such a perfect music cue. I love it. Because he just lied to Sean about it. And then he's driving down the road singing Bad Bad Leroy Brown because he feels like Bad Bad Leroy Henry. Or I guess it would probably be Bad Bad Henry Brown, but still. So here's the thing. Sean was just talking about how much lighter he felt. Like a weight has been lifted because he didn't have to go on this mountain man trip where his dad was going to drive him crazy for an entire weekend. And he's real upset that Henry's a lying liar. So... (laughs) He instantly gets up from the table and runs, forcing Gus to follow him because he wants to follow Henry. They follow him to the Monarch Lodge, which is a, like, pseudo, like, lion's club or something like that. I was like, oh, I think we have a Elks Lodge near me. Yeah, I think that's a thing. I don't know. Anywho, we see Henry going in and he does, like, a little secret handshake beboppy thing with the doorman and sean gets up and runs out the car because he's gonna get in there and gus is like how gus said uh how are you gonna get in there they're a clandestine society what a good use of the word clandestine can i just say oh yeah much appreciated because sean watched the secret handshake from afar he now knows it and he gives all the moves little nicknames as he's doing them and then he gets in and Gus just walks in after him, sort of holding part of his brunch still. He's like... <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. You probably don't want to shake hands with him. Yeah, he just inseminated an Appaloosa. I had to look up what an Appaloosa was. It's a horse, right? It is. Yeah, he was like, yeah, no time to wash up. So Gus just breezes on by. Inside, we set eyes first on a creepy portrait of President Truman that is never commented on. But we quickly move on to naming the other people in the other portraits in the Monarch Lodge. Because Gus knows who all of them are. A lot of local bigwigs here. Sean sees one of them and goes, dude, Moby's a monarch. It's not Moby. They see another portrait and Sean said, I'm pretty sure that's Chuck from the Wonder Years. Guess what? It was. It was Chuck from the Wonder Years. It was, in fact, a portrait of writer Andy Berman writer of the show, Andy Berman, who did, in fact, play Chuck on The Wonder Years. And now, Dulé Hill is on The Wonder Years. Yeah, he is. On the, on the, on the, on the new Wonder Years. <laughs> the new one, where he is, uh... I don't know how else to describe him, but... Yeah. Be cool. Be cool. <laughs> 
I didn't write down any of the other big wigs. Do, is, is there anybody else we have to mention that's fun? Well, not until we see the portrait of Henry. With hair and a leisure suit collar. Like, oh, he's in it. Those angles are sharp, baby. They then hear Henry speaking. They walk into the room and there are all of these people standing around wearing what I called black hoods that we eventually find out are actually violet hoods. Yes, they are dark purple violet hoods. With a uh, dead guy in the middle of the floor. Yeah. Henry is telling the one guy, look, you need to call the cops here. And he's like, I did. I called you. And Henry's like, not only am I retired. A policeman and a brother. A brother. I call these guys bros a lot going forward just to warn everyone. Henry's like, I'm retired from both. Look, we'll use my phone and call the SBPD. So they walk off again. Sean clocked that. There was some powdery stuff on dead guy's face. Cha, cha. But this is where we get Sean calling his father the lying liar from Liarsburg. Because he's supposed to be so upstanding. Woo, look at that gorgeous coloring book page. <laughs> I do, in fact, have a coloring book page that says, my dad is a lying liar from Liarsburg. But the actual quote was, yes. It means my dad, Mr. Integrity, is nothing more than a lying liar from Liarsville. Bill, Liarsburg. Ah! Okay, I said it enough. We're good. (laughs) Gus catches sight of somebody across the room that he knows. He's like, ooh, the doctor. So we see Dr. Downs, and we get smooth Gus. Always smooth Gus. Always smooth Gus. Because Dr. Downs apparently just left or, like, canned his rep. Gus is nothing if not opportunistic where his sales reptitude is concerned. (laughs) (laughs) So Gus walks on over, carefully avoiding the dead body between the two of these guys. Henry and Sean are having this little aside, and finally Sean just looks at Henry and said, he was murdered. We get Lassiter and Juliet. We're in the Lassie-mobile. Lassiter got the call. Juliet had just gotten Lassiter coffee, which is Buzz's job, and there's no Buzz in this episode, which is sad. Okay, here's the thing. They get the call over the radio, and it says it's an 11.44 deceased male. Did they? It is not an 11.44. It is never even a suspected 11.44. Fascinating. But we do get another reference to the fact that Lassie takes his coffee with three creams and four sugars. And diabetes. Like a psychopath. (laughs) They're back at the lodge, and Sean is looking around, and he's like, nobody is broken up about this. Nobody seems sad about the fact that this guy is dead. And Henry just bluntly said he was not a very likable guy. His name was Arthur Holmstrom. And I like to call him Art throughout the episode. I totally wrote Art. So this is when we get the chairman meow. But the, the, the head bro who called Henry originally walks back over and he's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry I dragged you down here. It was just like, did we do something wrong? He was under that hood for like 20 minutes. Did he suffocate? You just skipped Henry's pop culture reference. I did? Sean said, tell me the truth. What really happened to my cat, Chairman Meow? And Henry said, do you want the truth? Oh. And Sean said, yeah, I want the truth. And he said, you can't handle the truth. And then they both just sort of paused and they looked weird about it. <laughs> they look at each other. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. That You're right. You're right. Henry says that the bro is being ridiculous because they've done this ceremony so many times and nobody suffocates under these hoods. They're cloth. They're breathable. They did kind of casually recognize that Sean is Henry's son. We love him a, a legacy, legacy here. Yes. Sean starts to try to do a psych out, and Henry immediately stops him. He's fully, no, and pulls him away. (laughs) Love it. In come Lassiter and Juliet. Lassie is so dazed. He's so happy. He even says hi to Sean before it dawns on him that he's saying hi to Sean. And then he's really mad that Sean's there. He just goes, no, 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 no. You can't be here. What the hell are you doing here? And Sean says, relax. My dad was a member. That's why I'm here. How can your dad be a member? They have a rule against law enforcement officers being members. Lodge rule AB456 bars any law enforcement from joining the (laughs) illustrious monarchs or whatever. And we get this guy coming over that goes, 
That's basically just a dummy rule to bar undesirables. Like you. Or anyone like you, who has been previously married to my daughter. Bum, bum, bum. Mr. Parker. Dad-in-law. Is now the head of most monarch man thing. What's it? Uh, high, high most patriarch? High most patriarch. Which sounds like a villain title if I've ever heard one. Yeah. So Julia pulls Lassiter aside and she's like, hey, Lassie, should you really be on this case? You have a personal connection to our suspect and I am worried about what might happen. And Lassie's like, no, I have to solve this case. He's a little bit of a hero complex going on right here. (laughs) We get a cut back to Gus making his good impression on Dr. Downs, who even says, like, given the circumstances, the fact that you're making such an impression on me is really saying something. And this is just more of his uh, sales reptitude. (laughs) Yeah, brush your shoulder off on that, Guster. Henry tries to protect Sean and Gus in the most Henry way possible, which is to be mean about it. And he just looked at the gentleman and said, stay away. These guys are not to be messed with. I'm serious. Sean notices at this point that the portraits on the wall of like the hierarchy of leaders is already missing Arnold's portrait. Well, I mean, his portrait was Hymo's patriarch. Right. And... No, no. His portrait was at step number five, and it had been removed from step number five and put at Hymo's patriarch because that night was his... I'm going to use the word coronation. It, I, mean, I don't know what the word they is. They are monarchs. Yeah. <laughs> um, Henry's kind of scooting the boys out, and we pass right by the portraits again. And while Henry's lecturing them, he um, accidentally notices that he's standing next to his portrait, and he's very preoccupied staring at his portrait's hair. And then he rubs his head and walks away. <laughs> we go to the psych office. Gus, it's nighttime, and Gus is on the phone. Ballin! He's using his customer service voice, and I only know that that's his customer service voice because I also have a customer service voice that I use somewhat regularly. It's really helpful to use with people. Yeah. And not only that, he uses a stupid phrase like, I'll be there with bells on. Which is also a phrase I use. Absolutely. I mean, I say a lot of, like, really tired language and, like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. I completely understand. And, like, "Uh uh-huh. Oh, my God, that's crazy. (laughs) Like, I'm just trying to move things along, people. (laughs) Yeah. Sean is making fun of him for using this phrase. And Gus says it's because he's a closer. Which I took as a Glengarry Glen Ross reference, but only because there's a really famous monologue. And in the movie version, Alec Baldwin gives it um, after berating Jack Lemmon because coffee is for closers. <laughs> a really boring male-only play, and I will die on this hill. It's not worth seeing. Fight. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a movie. Just based on your description, I'm probably not into it. It's depressing. Sean was doing research. And found out that Art died during the Sacred Star Ceremony. That's what the coronation is actually called. The Sacred Star Ceremony. He's on a website that is like exposing secret societies. And he's watching this video. And Gus comes over and is like, oh my god, these guys look so evil. White men in hoods. (laughs) They're violet. That's how it starts, Sean. (laughs) Then there's someone outside. And they think it's a scary lodge guy. I told you, it's those creepy lodge guys. Your dad was right. No, it's not. So they sneak, sneak, sneak. They're about to attack whoever's about to enter their (laughs) domain. And it turns out to be Lassiter. And they're just like acting casual with a lamp in their hand. When Lassiter comes in, they start to have a psych out moment. And they tell Lassie that they're pretty sure that this guy was murdered. And Lassiter starts to agree with them. He's like, I think it could have been murder. I think that could have been what happened. They are goading Lassiter to get him to hire them. Well, they know that he's just keeping himself from hiring them. It's so obvious why he's there, because he's making up lies about being in the neighborhood and seeing the lights on. And they're like, come on, Lassiter. This is a safe place. You're surrounded by men who love you. (laughs) And he goes, right, Gus? And Gus goes... I love you, Lassiter. And he goes... (laughs) Stone face. Lassiter... I love you. That's it. (laughs) 
Lassiter says, okay, yes, I want to hire you, but I can't pay you. Maybe I can cover your expenses. $1,500. I thought it was 15000 a day. <laughs> okay, $15,000 a day. <laughs> Sean says, this hand near his shoulder is them, and this is me. And this other hand is going under his first hand. And he goes, flying under their radar. Because <laughs> Lasseter wants him to make sure he's being discreet. It is imperative that you keep a low profile. Yeah. There it is. Oh, also, this is Gus down here. Because he can't fly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the scene cuts to Sean being initiated into the Monarch Brotherhood. The newest brother! His smug face is hilarious. It looks so culty. Does he have, like, his arms out while they're all applauding to him? Or am I making that up? I think he's he's just posing like he later poses for his portrait. It's, like, oh, a okay. lot of, like, shoulders back and, like, tilted head. Like, smolder, smolder. After the commercial break, we come back. Sean is just being weird about how easy the initiation was. It should have been more aggressive. Um, what? No brimstone? No crab walk? <laughs> and they're like, um, to the bar! <laughs> Gus comes in and it's, quote, a business as usual for him because he's using his sales reptitude. Well, he's like, isn't it weird that no one's sad and it's business like usual around here? Like, that's not striking anyone else is not okay. So we get another look at the portrait hierarchy on the wall there. And then, well, his place has already been replaced in the portraits too, Mr. Art, the dead guy. But then we see all the philanthropy plaques. And all of them are, like, for kids, computers yeah. for kids, clothes for kids. And we get, like, these guys are, like, super donators. Like, yeah, mega ultra do-gooders. So why murder? Maybe it was for it's... the kids? Oh. <laughs> they walk up and they see the shroud from the star ceremony or the, you know, the flying star ceremony. The sacred star ceremony. There it is. Sean's just kind of being Sean. And he's like, oh, the guy died in this shroud. It's, this is so weird. And he tries to get a fist bump from the security guard. And the security guard denies him. Well, he thought it was going to be Gus. And then Gus wasn't there. And the guy had no idea what was going on because he's super old. And then he finds Gus across the room and pressing a group of doctors again. So then he walks over there to be a really bad wingman. He says the weirdest thing. He tries to give Gus props for being like some kind of genius MacGyver. And he goes, he once removed a boil from his own thigh using only a paperclip and a warm <laughs> can of Sprite. And everyone just sort of stops. And that's the way that scene ends. As they're leaving, Gus further portrays his own sales reptitude by running away from Sean again <laughs> to go talk to another doctor. On their way out, Lassiter calls and wants to know kind of what's going on. And Sean said, there's got to be something weird. He was fifth in line. And then he was the highest, most brother, blah, blah. And then he was dead. And it seemed like there was some something suspicious going on there and then Lasseter says are you sure you're flying under the radar he's like oh yeah members are beyond suspicion members sean hears the motorcycle pass and then he hears the motorcycle pass through the phone so he starts creeping around and he finds where lassie's parked and he starts going i'm getting some very distinct sensations that you might be very close like you might be around the corner and no, 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 what are you talking about? I'm not here. Lester starts to put his car in gear and like get his seatbelt on to run away. <laughs> they end up in the car together because Sean straight up caught him. And Juliet calls. Lassiter is trying to hide what's going on and is like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm out having lunch. Ooh, bring me a turkey and avocado. And then she hears Sean. She's like, are you having lunch with Sean? Lester's like, uh, uh, what do those blood results say? The toxicology report was odd, to say the least. There were trace elements of a toxin that was similar to the Brazilian vine snake venom. Okay, so he got bit by a snake? Except, no, because there's no puncture marks or any wounds to be had on this man. Maybe a little bit of irritation on his skin on his face, but that's it. Correct. 
And then Juliet gets really confused why Sean is involved in this situation whatsoever. She's like, yeah, on a case he hasn't been hired for, Lassiter, why are you sharing information with him? Because she finds out she's on speakerphone, and Sean's asking her all these questions also. And then Lassiter does the fake, I'm breaking up, I need to hang up on you. I'm going, Donald, Juliet did to him in the Rob of My Baby episode, so <laughs> I love it. Wasn't that long ago. We're back in the psych office. Oh, and Henry's mad. Can't believe you joined the lodge. He's like, too many powerful people in one room is dangerous, Sean. This is not a game. Henry wisdom right there. He just wants the police to handle the situation. Let the police do the job. You do not have to do this. Gus says, we're working with the police. Sean says, sort of. <laughs> it's a discreet case. <laughs> oh, oh, discreet. Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, Dad, I'm working on a theory. It involves a snake bite without a snake bite. He was poisoned with snake venom. So, an invisible snake. Uh, Henry's super not sold on this. And then Henry makes a little straw wrapper snake and then pours coke on it. And there's like a little chart and he's like, you need to follow the pecking order because there's a structure of power within this group of too many powerful people. Like, John is just like, oh, uh, what? And Henry storms out and says, grow up. John is upset because now there's coke all over everything. He goes, me grow up? A grown man makes a crawly snake and I'm the one who needs to grow up? So then we're in the blueberry. And... Are we outside Parker's warehouse? Yes. I keep calling him Irv because his name is Irving. That's fair. I never wrote down his last name. So Sean is like, yeah, we're kind of waiting for an opportunity to break in. And Gus is like, um, I'm not doing jail time for this. I can get us in. Sean's like, we've been sitting here for this long and suddenly you can get us in. Oh, wait, we are not outside Parker's. Yeah, we are. Parker's warehouse, are we? Yeah, yeah, we are. Because, because then we're inside with Doris, the receptionist. Yes. And Gus is using his sales reptitude to charm her, well, not her pants off, but charm their way through the door. <laughs> he introduces Sean as his friend, associate, William Zane. The name's Guster, Burton Guster. This is my associate, William Zane. I'm here to visit Irving Parker for a birthday visit. It's not his birthday. It's my birthday. The big two nine. You know, not one of the important ones. Meanwhile, Sean's over there just pointing out like her Sudoku answers and mm -hmm. she's all about it. She's like, ooh, okay, three here. <laughs> Gus wants to quote, surprise Mr. Parker for Gus's birthday, which doesn't make any sense to me, but okay. No, but he's, he's so sure of himself. It's just hypnotizing. And so Doris is like, oh, okay. And then Sean is still working on her Sudoku upside down, and Gus yells, Billy! <laughs> and they walk through the door. As they're walking out, they go into the warehouse, and Gus is still talking about his sales reptitude. And he <laughs> told Sean that it comes in all flavors. Yeah, he's like, that was also sales reptitude? Like, what, what was happening there? So it's manipulative networking. <laughs> <laughs> they walked past a giant pot and Sean said, dude, the world's first crock pot. Irving the Grump is on a piece of equipment driving around, I don't, forklift? I don't know what that is. Yeah, I think it's a forklift. And he's like, what are you guys doing here? And their cover story is that since Sean just got inducted, he was wondering if Irv could, you know, make things happen so that Gus can be inducted. You know, haze him a little bit, get him on the inside with us. But Sean is also clocking the shipping codes on some of these boxes and big wooden things. Honestly, it looks like the Ark of the Covenant from Indiana Jones could be hiding in this warehouse somewhere, <laughs> the, way, the way they pack these things. They end up getting kicked out, and then the next scene, while the boys are having a walk and talk, we find out that those shipping labels are all labels to Brazilian airports. Gus said, how, how do you know that those are Brazilian airports? Gus... You know I lived in an airport for over a month. That was Tom Hanks in Terminal. Did we get a, I heard it both ways? No, what? Sean says same difference. Oh. And I, I 
my next line is, why not? I've heard it both ways. That would have been perfect. I mean, my brain filled it in, so I agree. <laughs> We're at the SVPD. Sean walks in to sort of update Lassiter, and he's like, also, um, I've got some bad news about what I found out. Then we look over, and Juliet is, mm, how do we put this? Walking in the perp? <laughs> Which happens to be... Irving Parker. Laster's face is just like so full of dread. I just wrote grumpy pants is in the building. Parker does about half of his business in Brazil where that venomous snake is from and so he thinks that's a pretty good reason why Irving might be the murderer. Yeah he's telling Laster like man the evidence is pointing at him. Like he was number two when What's-His-Face became High Most Patriarch all of a sudden and Brazil and the murder venom so Jules is like Lassiter I really think you might want to step away at this point and let me or someone else handle the interrogation no Lassie with his hero complex he insists that he can hang to question him yep yeah but he says don't you dare tell the chief and then the phone rings and Juliet answers it Lassiter's desk and guess who it is his ex-wife former wife estranged Mrs. Lassiter (laughs) she is very upset and thinks that he's doing this just to spite her to which he responds no this is not because i want the barbecue you already got the golf club lassiter while he's on the phone jules and sean have a little aside and basically about grumpy pants being grumpy pants not coming easily and then lassiter gets off the phone and says juliet i will meet you down there you go see him in interrogation first And then he takes Sean aside and says, you need to solve this for real because Irving Parker did not do this. He can't have done this. Get on it. Sure, he might hobble their spirits and crush their souls and dance on the flaming ashes of their broken marriage, which he had a part in ending, but he wouldn't kill anyone. That's saying a lot. And then Lassiter tells Sean to workshop it. Figure out what's going on. It wasn't wasn't Parker. Workshop it. Workshop it? (laughs) in interrogation it's a very quiet scene yeah Lassiter is making this weird eye contact and there's this very like music playing the music cues in this episode crack me up and this is (laughs) this is where I first noticed it and first started making note of it but like the music is just kind of a really, really down music. Like we can feel Lassiter's pain through the sounds that we're hearing. But he's looking through the one-way glass at Juliet sitting with Irv. And then Irv turns and stares right through the glass like he knows Lassie's back there. Yeah, that intense, weird eye Oof. contact is, yeah, it's weird. So back to the psych office. And they're writing on their glass numbers board again. And Sean says, I don't think reverse engineering this crime is working because everything still points to Irv. The did it's one 12 to zip. Mm-hmm. Gus says, maybe we should be looking at other members of the monarch. Yeah, like this guy, this guy died and no one batted an eye. No one was sad for even a second. I was there shamelessly pushing product, repping my sales reptitude, networking like a mofo, and no one cared. It was, it was tasteless. <laughs> Sean agrees, but there's something much more important that we have to do first. He's going for his lodge portrait sitting. <laughs> and he asks if they would put tigers or pumas at his feet. And then Gus is looking angry in the background. And he looks at Gus and said, this is for posterity, which is what I'm calling our first Princess Bride reference. So Roll with me back to 1987 when The Princess Bride came out. I don't know. That date check me, somebody. That's fine. When the six-fingered man has Wesley on the death machine, he asks Wesley to be completely honest with how it feels because this is for posterity. The scientific experiment, Alexis. I, I may be deep diving. Okay. <laughs> okay. So they then... ask the guy who's doing the portrait why Art's portrait has already been taken down. And the painter said that, oh, it was returned to his house with the rest of his stuff. Am I wrong or does Sean say, hey, let's get a puma right over here by my shoulder 
and have Gus's magic head superimposed into the puma's mouth. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Gus is appalled by the suggestion, so we're 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 gone. We're uh, to the blueberry and to the dead guy's house. Yes, at Art's house, and the boys are trying to be all sneak. <laughs> the motion lights. Right, they hop into the onto the sidewalk over the bushes. The motion lights kick on, and we get the, this beautiful sound effect of like da da, and they jump off, and it gets quiet. And they were like, "Okay, this time do it slowly," and they jump again da da. <laughs> that that sound cue is so on point for that that part of the episode. They jimmy the lock using a credit card and a paperclip. No, Sean said, "Say what you might about a credit card and a paperclip, but sometimes locks just have to be owned." And he holds up a screwdriver. And Gus is like, and, oh, Gus dude, that's is like, a, screwdriver. Or a screwdriver. I think it was unlocked. Stay with me here. Because as soon as I saw Sean holding that screwdriver, my brain went, Doctor Who. <laughs> I don't think that's what that was, but I wanted it to be. I like that. I'm, <laughs> I'm agreeable to that. I think that's, a, that's wonderful. <laughs> Sean insists that the door was not unlocked, and they go upstairs. And the guy was a widower, so it's an empty house. But they hear something, and they're like, well, no one else is here. And then they hear breaking glass, and Sean goes, ha-ha, I locked the door back. Because Gus was also giving him crap about whether or not he locked the door. He's like, this proves it. (laughs) And then they try to hide, and again, absurd, trying to hide. Like, at one point... Gus is just curled up on top of the, the like the sofa chair and Sean is hiding behind the fire air pumper thing. And then the bellows? Is that what it's called? The, the fire bellows? Bellows, yes. Okay. And then Gus or Sean moves to a different couch and then Gus tries to hide behind it again. And then finally they both just kind of fly on the floor as we see this ominous man coming up the steps with Black pants, kind of sharp shoes, and a pair of gloves. Yeah, so we're under the desk, we find out, and we're sort of pretzeled together. And this man is making a full-on mess, ransacking this room. Sean said, breaking into offices, no one respects anything anymore. Well, he also noticed, very briefly, when the man was standing very close to the desk, that there was a tiny little scuff mark, like almost a pinprick size, on this man's otherwise sharp shoe. Exit bad guy. The boys start looking back around. It seemed like he did not find what he was looking for. And then they see the safe. And it's a Martin 16. And there's just... Sean says, come on, Gus. There's just no way Gus is going to crack it. It's not going to happen. Aren't you 18 months into a subscription to Safe Cracker magazine? He gives it a shot. He tries to crack it. And he does his little (laughs) safe cracking (laughs) ritual. That includes, like, a crouching tiger, hidden dragon thing. Also, a few Michael Jackson noises. Always. Finally, Sean looks at a picture of Art's wife. The guy's wife. His... He has pictures of this beautiful wife all over. Like, he was a widower. Mm. And he has all her old pictures all over his office. And Sean goes, try 36-24-36. And it fails. And Gus is like, oh, great idea, Sean. And then he looks down at the picture and he goes, you gotta work on your estimating skills. 36, 24, 38. 38. Exam, girl. Okay. It opens and they find these ledgers that are put away. And they look kind of identical. There's two of them. They look kind of identical, but they're noticing differences pretty quickly. So it's like computers for kids, $25,000. But this one says computers for kids, $35,000. And then Sean's like, what are all these little creepy little codes? He, he wrote it in some, what did he, what, what is it? What he is wrote book? it in some ancient language or some ancient hieroglyphics. And Gus says, no, 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 this is Dr. Shorthand. This means this and this means this. They come to the conclusion, well, Gus does because Gus is always there for the win, that it wasn't Arthur that was skimming because the handwriting on the sticky notes that were obviously from Arthur do not match the handwriting and the doctor's shorthand that are in the ledgers. And they were like, somebody else is skimming from the top, but Arthur figured it out who it was and was likely holding them against them. Sean's like, how sure are you that this is actually what happened? 
And Gus is like, uh, 85, 86%. And Sean said, we've gone on much less, which is what I believe to be our second Princess Bride reference. Again, let's go back in time. We have Miracle Max and Anigo Mondoyas in the in Miracle Max's shop, and they put the the alive pill into Wesley. And Miracle Max says that it's about 50%, and Anigo responds. We've done with much less. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much into it. I'm into it. I like it. No, I, I fully am on board with that. Anywho's. In interrogation. Lassie is exhausted. But he goes from being exhausted nice guy to a hard ass real fast on Irv. Because he's giving him nothing. They've been here for ages. Does he give us a time? It kind of seems like, I don't think so, but it kind of seems like Mr. Parker is just like making fun of Lassiter at this point. And so finally, Lassie claps back and is like, I suggest you cut the crap. Are we clear? And then Art's entire demeanor changes. Like he finally respects Lassiter. It's very grudging respect yeah. moment. Yeah. And he said, listen, Art convinced me to let him ahead of me in line. That's how he got to the number one spot so quickly. He must have convinced all the other guys somehow. He had health problems. And I just wanted to I just wanted to help the guy out and let him be the highest, most patriarch or whatever. He was getting worse, and this was probably his only shot. That's it. Four or five doctor's offices later, we're back with Sean and Gus. Oh, I just want to point out that Mr. Parker's last kind of uh, alibi, if you will, was that he has not traveled outside of the country for the last three years. And the reason is because the doctor told him that he wasn't allowed because of his stress, which is implied that it's from Lester and his daughter's marriage that ends oh, with falling apart. him saying, okay, are, are we done? And Lasseter goes, we're done when I say we're done. And then it's just a beat. And he goes, we're done. You can we're go. done. Four doctor's offices later with Sean and Gus, they have not found a match to the handwriting they saw in the doctored ledger. Plus, I'm tired of reading highlights for kids. They always hide the apple in the bike. <laughs> we are at the last place, and Gus is like, I'm killing it today. I'm gonna keep doing my job, even if it doesn't give you what you want for this case. And Sean is like, is it really so important to be pushing? What is he? What cream does he reference here? Some sort of gelatinous something. I don't know. Anyway, we walk into Doctor Down's office, and Sean drops to the floor before the receptionist can see him. And then he pushes Gus around the side of this sort of like oblong counter so that he'll keep the receptionist looking in the other direction and distract her so Sean can go and snoop on this doctor's office. The first thing Sean sees are these pictures of just like groups of people wearing what stereotypically you might consider to be like native African clothing. And he kind of So sees... the guy's like a doctor's without borders moment? Yeah, kind of. That's We kind of just see these pictures. Sean goes snooping. Gus's sales reptitude is over. And uh, the woman that is he's talking to is is not having any of it oh she's super not charmed by any flavor of his sales reptitude while sean is snooping the first thing he finds are these gloves that have these weird kind of uh crocheted wrists on them that would leave a mark and he remembers seeing those marks on dr down's hands when dr down was shaking gus's hand at the original murder, which makes sense. I mean, it's his hands, it's his gloves. Okay, I, I got that. And then we see an article in another part of the office. It's like a like a newspaper clipping that mm -hmm. says, powdered vaccines save lives. Gus is still failing to schmooze this lady. But in the meantime, Sean does find a handwriting match. He finds- On the, the calendar. He finds the guy's right? calendar and he matches it in his, you know, perfect brain to- the handwriting that was on the ledgers. Sean goes, call Lassie right now. I've totally figured this out. Juliet picks up the phone. We're headed to 1385 Granger. Spy music starts to play here, along with the screeching tire sounds. <laughs> okay, so back at the lodge, Dr. Downs is raising a chalice. To and absent Irv is, friends. Like our dear departed 
Art Holmstrom. Irv is sitting on a throne. Yes, as the highest, most butt pincher. I don't know what. I, I still can't. <laughs> I love that you refuse to learn it. I, I fully support. Sean, it's a stupid title. It is. Sean has this really weird thing where he goes, but also we're here to bear witness, along with the magic head of Gus, the wisdom of Bomb, and that that stuffed creature. Arthur Holmstrom was murdered. Bomb was this like stuffed owl. Hawk. He was a taxidermied owl. Yeah. And then The Wisdom of Baum. <laughs> the creature was a weasel. I thought it was a badger. Something in that Something. family. <laughs> and then he starts playing Duck Duck Murderer as he goes around the room, pointing at each of the um the monarchs in turn, going duck, duck, duck. Lots of ducks, and finally we get a goose pointed straight at Dr. Downs. He said that Art had found out that he had been skimming off the top of the books from the charitable events, and he was using it to blackmail Dr. Downs into becoming the highest, most... When the blackmail worked, Dr. Downs could not handle it and had to make sure that the fact that he was skimming would never get out. And in order to do that, he killed him. He immediately sees the same mark that Kaylee was talking about earlier on Dr. Down's shoes and screams, It was the shroud. There was a powder form of the snake venom in the shroud. And you use that powdered form as part of an anti-venom that you do for your charitable work abroad. So there's a thing that he keeps doing before he gives his little psych out thing. Please. Like the <laughs> when he's getting like a message from the spirits, he like clutches his head as he does and he'll say something like, by the shores of Gichigume <laughs> And then he'll give you the breakdown. And then <laughs> and then Dr. Downs goes, oh, that's preposterous. He died of natural causes. And then again head hand to head he's like but the halls of montezuma <laughs> you were very careful to wear your protective gloves while you administered the poison <laughs> finally downs goes i have nothing to say speak to my lawyer and he starts to leave but uh then he's arrested by juliet yeah it doesn't work and then sean gives the credit for finding the murderer to lassiter and I love that. He refers to Lassiter as Santa Barbara's own hi highest most patriarch. High most patriarch. There it is. Yeah, he gets like, okay, well, they leave. And Irv kind of gives him like this nod. He's like, well, you know, that was a pretty good solve. And you're not going to, you know, be my son-in-law anymore. But we might make a monarch out of you yet. There was also a fist bump once... They were like mid-twirl yeah. and about to run out the door. Last scene, we are at psych the psych office. And Henry is there to pick up Sean for their rescheduled weekend trip. <laughs> That's hilarious, Dad. I'm swamped here. What's he doing? He's Tetris. Playing Tetris. Sorry. <laughs> we get to this moment where sean is like you know like tell me the truth give me some man candor why did man you... candor sean <laughs> why did you end up leaving the monarchs oh okay you want the man candor basically henry breaks down that he was getting his priorities right like his marriage was in trouble he needed to focus up because the monarchs weren't what was important family was what was important it realized that the only real membership that mattered was family. Sean almost makes this noise. <laughs> and then we hear some hammering. And Sean and Henry walk out. And Gus is actually hanging Sean and Henry's portraits on the wall of the psych office. Yeah, we uh, grabbed these on our way out of the lodge. We didn't want to be members of, of a club that Lassie was a member of. And then Henry's gazing wistfully at his own portrait and Sean kind of offers it to him and he's like no 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 you should keep it that way I'm always here to keep an eye on you Sean just smiles 
and the episode ends. And we, like, just see a picture of the two Spencer men on the wall. It's very cute. I love the way that ended that. That's a feel-good episode. I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That is, like, Guster got his groove back. Henry prioritizes life. Sean does something nice for Lassiter. Just all around. Good episode. Love it. I love that. It was very man-heavy. Like, Juliet was the only female in it, and we only got a mention of Lassiter's ex. There was no chief. There was no buzz. Yeah, it was a very man episode. (laughs) Um, With the high most patriarch of all things. So, question about the Monarch Lodge, or whatever it is. Were there any non-white members? Not that I... Okay, wait, 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 wait. Mm, yes. Okay, so I saw a portrait that was a, a non-white man in a portrait. Okay. And then there was a person standing amongst the doctors at one point who could have been of a different... Um, non-white race? I was going to say, like, like census group. I don't... Okay. <laughs> I'm like, if you're asking, like, for... Li- like, I don't know, but he wasn't... a a pasty white dude okay uh and those I... puppies you hear in the background are kaylee's puppies because i am super allergic to them <laughs> i think uh yeah i think my 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 other my my person got home and they freaked out on him that's fair that's fair i'm uh, you were just talking i didn't want to stop you and i like I, I was just like i'm just gonna address the fact that there's dogs in the background and then leave it in eh. i don't think i have anything else written This is another one of those episodes that really highlights the growing relationship between Henry and Sean. And I appreciate these episodes a lot. I just do. I just like that we are continuing to watch that growth. And eventually it gets to a really real spot. But right now we're still watching those little moments where Henry's only reaction is anger and frustration. (laughs) Um, and then we get those moments like that final scene where, no, I I think it should stay here so I can always keep an eye on you. And I don't know, it's just beautiful. Also, I have a portrait of my grandma. Oh, well, you remember creepy grandma from my parents' house. I never called her creepy grandma, okay. but I know the portrait that you were referring yes. to. <laughs> and then I have a portrait of my grandmother that hangs in our house as well. And I quite enjoy that. I'm just like, this is nice. I like that idea of Sean having something there to remember where he came from. And know who's looking over his shoulder (laughs) all the time. And is also a fun sucker. Who wouldn't let them have a a childhood club without rules. I mean, I think that's that's part of the reason I surrounded myself with, like, um, fictional detectives. I'm like, yes, be near me always. I love that. (laughs) If we don't have anything else... I'm Alexis, hold it, fold it, skim it, crouching tiger, zookeeper's boy, hairdresser on fire, girlfriend in a cloma, slap it on a biscuit. And I'm Kaylee. Come on, somebody tickle me with a feather. You. And this has been... To the Blueberry! Psych out.